Hey there, everyone. I'm Arielle, GM of the Legend of the Firebrings campaign Shadows in the West, and welcome to the next of our 20 questions episodes leading up to the release of our story. The L5R 4th edition book has a list of questions called the Game of 20 Questions to get to know your character better in the back of the book. In this series, we'll introduce our players and their characters one at a time. Today, we're here with Mallory, who plays the Ronin Crow in Shadows in the West. First, we're going to go into some player questions, and the first of those is, who are you, what do you do, and what are some of your interests? Hi, I'm Mallory. I'm a graphic designer. I would like to be an illustrator one day. Interests include drawing, tabletop role-playing games, obviously, cooking sometimes, video games, not a terribly exciting collection of hobbies. So what is your history with gaming, tabletop in particular, or just in general? In terms of tabletop RPGs, I've not really had an opportunity to seriously get involved with them until the last three or four years or so. I had a bunch of tabletop RPG books when I was a teenager, but nobody in my friend group was interested in playing them. I don't know why none of them wanted to play the Sailor Moon tabletop role-playing game with me, (laughs) but their loss, I guess. So I spent a lot of my teenage years just kind of reading the... I had a lot of White Wolf books, like I said, the Sailor Moon role-playing game book, just learning about mechanics and making up characters in my head and writing stories with them. But since I didn't really have anyone in my friend group who was interested in tabletop, it never really went anywhere. I did a few like one-off campaigns in uh, in college. I did a demon game, a werewolf game, and like I said, I didn't really start getting super into it until the last three or four years or so when Ariel, the forever DM, <laughs> showed up and started DMing games for us. We played uh, Pathfinder two times before this. The game kind of petered out because commitment from some of the players wasn't really there. We're playing Blades in the Dark right now as well. And then, of course, L5R. So that's pretty much it. Yeah, your life was uh, perfect until I came in with my scripture and (laughs) here you are now. I'm still waiting to play the Sailor Moon game. Maybe someday. That'll be a bonus episode. I'll DM it. God, I can imagine Sailor Moon Dayu. So we'll move on to the character questions. What clan does Crow belong to? Crow does not belong to any clan. She is a Ronin, but she was formerly Kirin, and that's still definitely very ingrained into her. She did not leave the Kirin to become a Ronin until she was about 18 years old. So she's very Kirin still in her customs and her worldview. Okay. And what family does she come from? She was part of the Shinjo family, relatively high up the food chain in the Shinjo family as well. And is Crow a Bushi, Shigenja, Monk, or Courtier? She is a bushy because she is too stupid to be a courtier. <laughs> uh, she's way too gullible, way too easily swayed. So she's she would not be a very good uh, courtier. How would others describe Crow's appearance? The first thing I had in mind when I made Crow forever ago was that she is very handsome and androgynous. Um, she's supposed to kind of look like the rugged, attractive fairy tale Ronan on the cover <laughs> of courtier pillow books. You know, the one that whisks the elegant doji courtier away into a passionate, forbidden love affair. Shinjo Fabio. Shinjo Fabio. And a girl. Um, but no, she's very she's very handsome and she's very androgynous. She's tall. Uh, she's got long, like, super unkempt, crazy wild hair. Which is kind of a Kieran thing anyway, but I think she takes it a little bit to the extreme. Like, there's probably <laughs> some small animals living in there. Whole ecosystem. 
she she has a very long face, a very long narrow face, uh, lots of scars, lots of horse face jokes, which makes sense when your ancestor is literally a horse. Physically, she's very attractive, but she's not terribly well kept. Being She's been a Rona for about five years, so she doesn't have any money, really. She's wearing pretty much what was on her back when she left the Kieran lands, so very old, worn, fraying, patchwork kind of neutral colors. Not looking too great in that regard. So what is Crow's primary motivation? At the beginning of the story, her primary motivation is definitely escapism. She has always struggled with making uh, smart decisions that will benefit her in the long run. She's a very short-term, instant gratification sort of person. This all kind of feeds into why she was made Ronan to begin with without giving too much spoilery stuff away. But it, she's got a lot of issues with self-loathing and kind of feelings of powerlessness to take control of her own destiny. So instead of dealing with that like a functional adult, she'd rather <laughs> bury all the bad feelings under drinking sake and sleeping around with loose women. So definitely escapism at the start of the story. Thankfully, she kind of starts to grow up a little bit. After a while, but it it takes some uh, trauma. Yeah. (laughs) Don't look at me. Why not? You did this. Yeah, I did. So who does Crow trust most? Nobody. She's a ronin. She doesn't live in any one place for very long. She wanders from place to place. So it's not necessarily that she is untrusting. It's really quite the opposite. She's very, very gullible. She has the gullible disadvantage. It's just that she doesn't really know anybody and she doesn't really stay in one place long enough to form relationships that have any kind of trust at all. But if someone came along and told her, you know, she can trust them, totally, she would absolutely believe them. So what is Crow's greatest strength and greatest weakness? I think Crow's greatest strength is her compassion. Kieran value compassion more than other samurai, or more than the other clans. And she's definitely a classic Kieran in that regard. We joke a lot about how, you know, she's this stoic, badass ronin standing on a cliff, staring at the sun setting over the sea. But you're just as likely to turn around and see her bending down to help a frog into a pond or some shit like that. <laughs> she's very she's very compassionate. As far as weaknesses go, she's very impulsive. This feeds a lot into her need for escapism. She's not good at duty or having duty or responsibility. But when she does, even when she's actually doing what she's supposed to, the impulsivity still kind of comes into play. It, it makes her very, very reckless in battle to a degree that kind of teeters on the brink of, of having a death wish, which she might a little bit. Just a little. Oh, yeah. But um, no, she's her, her impulsiveness is almost definitely her greatest weakness. So what does Crow think of Bushido? Bushido is important to Crow, as it is for any samurai, but it's definitely skewed in favor of compassion, feeding into her greatest strength. Her weakest link in terms of following Bushido and living by it is duty. She understands its importance, and but she really struggles to commit to it, which is, again, part of why she's a ronin. But... Her issues with having responsibility and committing to responsibility feeds a lot into her her own sense of self-loathing, too. So she definitely recognizes the importance of those aspects of Bushido as well. She probably, I think she thinks about it less uh, now that she's a ronin than she did before. But uh, it's definitely always kind of on her mind just because, you know, you grow up in Rokugan and it's drilled into your head from when you're a little kid, so... So I know we said that Crow is a ronin, but what is her opinion of her former clan, the Kirin? 
She loves the Kirin. She cares very, very much about their success and their well-being. But at the same time, she kind of avoids them now. Uh, not necessarily because she doesn't like them, but it's just because while she's a Ronin, uh, her twin sister, fraternal twin, Tomei, is not. And she has kind of taken up the uh, head of the household position in, in Crow's absence. And she and her sister did not part ways on good terms. So she she knows without a doubt that her sister has said some not great things about her. And she knows that her sister also has a lot of influence in Kirin lands. So it's more of her avoiding Kirin when she encounters them is, is more born of her desire to not really face consequences for her actions, more not wanting to deal with the kind of face the, the shittiness of hearing firsthand what her sister has actually said of her. As if any of them would recognize her now because she looks like <laughs> a, you know, a dirty hobo because she is a dirty <laughs> hobo. But yeah. So it's, it's it's very complicated. She uh, she loves them, but she doesn't want to look them in the eye because she's she feels like she let them down at the end of the day. Understandable. So is Crow married? <laughs> nope. No. Next question. Does <laughs> your character have any prejudices? She doesn't really like the lion. It's not it's not a dislike. Oh yeah, it is a dislike. She tries to avoid them. She didn't she didn't like having to deal with them back before she was a Ronin. She didn't like having to maneuver around them and court. She just finds them to be very brash and very warmongering and they're kind of at the polar opposite end of her personal kind of devotion to being a very compassionate person. She's also got a uh <laughs> The lion are not great with non-human races. They they really are, are quite racist against them. And uh, Crow has this long-standing, like, from her childhood love of stories about Shinjo and Lady Kitsune, who, you know, is obviously a Kitsune. So that, that definitely also kind of informs her general dislike-ish of the, of the lion. To whom does Crow owe the most loyalty, would you say? Well, going off of the childhood thing with Lady Kitsune and whatnot. Right now, as far as she's concerned, she owes most of her loyalty to the Kitsune of Kitsune Mori. Several years ago, uh, about two years after she became a ronin, she was passing through Kitsune Mori and she was gravely wounded when she was chasing a, well not chasing, killing a, uh, a band of Kitsune poachers. And uh, she was she was definitely on the brink of death, but she was nursed back to health by some of the Kitsune of the forest. She's got kind of a weird history with them. She doesn't remember a lot of what happened after she kind of fell to her wounds because, well, she, she assumes it's because, you know, infection and fever. But she kind of... Got a similar thing that she has going on with the uh, Kitsune that she does with her own with her own clan. Not exactly the same, but she's kind of afraid to go back and find out what happened. But she's very grateful. She she remembers enough to know that they helped her, and she's she's very grateful for their help. And as far as she's concerned, she owes them a life debt right now. And since becoming Ronin, that's pretty much one of the only truly selfless and nice things that anyone's done for her. So just Ronin things. Just Ronin things. Hashtag. What are Crow's favorite and least favorite things? Women and sake and foxes. That's it. She she no she really does love women and sake and foxes. But um she also loves horses and just animals in general. She's definitely an animal person. She is, you know, before she was running, she was definitely that person who at Winter Court was uh, sitting in the corner with the dog or the cat or the women. But before she was running, she was horse girl. She's still a horse girl. She just doesn't have a horse anymore. But she was absolutely horse girl. Like that weird horse girl in second grade. Her least favorite things? 
responsibility again. She thinks it's important, but she sucks at it, and she therefore wants to avoid it at all costs because she can't kill it with a sword, and that's the only thing in life she's good at besides flirting with women. She also doesn't like any kind of emotional confrontation either. (laughs) Good thing she's in this game, then. Yep. Does she have any recurring mannerisms? This was kind of unintentional, but I found that after a while I I had been consistently writing her, like playing with her hair when she gets anxious or when she, she just needs something to do with her hands. So she'll, she'll like run her hand through her hair a lot or rub the back of her head. Her other thing, I'm not sure if this counts is she has a habit of kind of pulling her uh, arm out of her sleeve and tucking it into the front of her kosore for the maximum douchebag Auron from Final Fantasy X sort of aesthetic. That's pretty much it though. She likes to wink at cute girls. Does that count? So what are Crow's emotions like generally? Uh, volatile. She's she's upbeat and cheerful most of the time, but she's very prone to kind of falling into these little depressive bouts. She's uh she's very bad about brooding, which she gets called on a few times. Or not called on, but just made fun of, and she'll deny it. But she she definitely broods. She she's got occasionally she's got the the like stoic badass kind of thing going on for her, but most of the time she's just kind of too much of a dork, really. <laughs> She has, uh, she's, she's not great about processing her emotions in a way that's healthy. She compartmentalizes a lot. Uh, and then, you know, they, eventually they just kind of accrue over time at the back of her mind and then explode and some really bad volatile moments a little bit later into the campaign. So she's, she's not, she's not super good at handling her emotions like a functional grown adult, especially in a society like Rokugan, where you know, neutrality and having a face is is very important. She sucks at that. I mean, she would fit in in court perfectly in that sense because court is just high school. Yeah, especially the part where you just write passive-aggressive notes to each other. No, she would really suck at that. She would rather just punch someone. Well, lion courtiers are good for that. So how would Crow handle a subordinate's improper behavior? She feels like that line is kind of blurry as a ronin. But even before she was around and she wasn't really, uh, she's too passive to really get upset about it. I mean, her, her late teen years were defined by getting in trouble for sleeping around with, you know, peasant girls. So she, she definitely has always not really had a very well-defined line there. And she's not good at confrontation either, at least confrontation that she can't resolve with convincing herself that she is the righteous one and killing the other person. So... Uh, it'd be a lot of, uh, it's fine, you know, hand-waving, kind of. E- even even in situations where she probably should put her foot down and be stern, she's probably going to be rather uh, evasive. So, how would Crow's parents describe her? Well, they're dead. So, very quietly. <laughs> they, um, she was, she was the apple of her parents' eye growing up, much to her sister's chagrin, but as it became apparent through, you know, going to samurai school and genpuku and teenage years that she's not she wasn't growing out of the uh kind of irreverent irresponsible wild and crazy kid kind of stage and their their approval of her based on you know the fact that she was incredibly gifted with a sword and a spear and good looking and 
everything else like that, it, it kind of began to wane because it was clear that she did not really have the personality to be the head of the household, to do, to be what her parents wanted her to be. So if they were still alive, I think that they would honestly be very disappointed in her, even if she wasn't a ronin, but especially because she just, she's a ronin. So what's Crow's highest ambition? Right now, it is to find peace. And when I say right now, I mean the beginning of the campaign. And that's, as far as Rokugan goes, I think fairly selfish of her because Rokugan is all about serving your family and serving the emperor and serving your clan. And she does care about all of those things, but she's so bogged down by her own inner turmoil and her self-loathing and her complete inability to get anywhere with her life that she mostly just, she just wants to become something that she doesn't hate. Well, considering that it's Tagashi who becomes emperor and he's all about individualism and spirits and follow your path, man, it's not too bad for her to think that. He sounds like someone who would, like, run a yoga school. <laughs> Tagashi's yeah. yoga school. I mean, honestly, he probably does. So how religious is Crow? Crow isn't super religious. Not not in a practicing sort of way. I'm not sure if this counts as a religious, but when she was a little kid, she was absolutely obsessed with Shinjo, the Kami Shinjo, in the same way that um, a little kid would be obsessed with a superhero. Just the embodiment of everything that's like cool and good and badass, you know, it, it was definitely more of a hero worship kind of thing. And she especially was fixated on uh, the story of Shinjo and Lady Kitsune, which in our Rukugan is uh, a little bit more homosexual than the canon, though the canon is still pretty, pretty gay. <laughs> But that's pretty much the extent of her kind of religious tendencies is just that childhood hero worship of Shinjo. And that, that I mean, that has sort of carried over a little bit in her adulthood, but definitely not to the extent that when she was a little kid. But, you know, she would still absolutely, like, love to go to a convention and meet Shinjo and pay $40 <laughs> for her to sign a picture of herself and then take a selfie with her and then get her to, like, sign her horse, which she doesn't have anymore. Did I mention that? Haha, <laughs> dead horse jokes. And if you could, what advice would you give Crow? Stop beating yourself up. She is really bad about that. And it's funny because that really wasn't on, that really wasn't the intention when I made her, but it just sort of kind of organically came out that way as we were playing in the situations we put our characters into or Ariel put our characters into. Yeah, it is my fault. <laughs> I would tell her to suck it up. Uh, get over herself and do what she knows is right and do what she knows she needs to do. And also to go find that Kitsune girl from Kitsune Mori that she can't stop thinking about and stop feeling sorry for herself about it. I think it's pretty good. <laughs> pretty good summation. All, we, can all, we can all do to tell ourselves to go find that Kitsune girl that we can't stop thinking about. <laughs> That's my advice to all of you today. So thanks for coming out and talking about your character. Thanks for letting me share her with the world. Yeah. I apologize in advance. For all the latest updates in our podcast, be sure to check us out on Twitter at SITWL5R.
You can also join our Discord server to talk L5R, tabletop, and everything in between. Shadows in the West is played using the fourth edition of the Legend of the Five Rings role-playing game, developed by Alderac Entertainment Group and owned by Fantasy Flight Games.